0: Um, Sometime during the Christmas season, I was surfing the internet and I came across this story about uh, Nordstrom's and uh, it just caught my attention because I'm one of those people that kind of dreads retailers and stores starting Christmas earlier and earlier each year um, I love Christmas, but I think it has its time and its place. And so I saw this, um, this story. And Nordstrom's apparently, and this is according to the internet, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's according to the internet. But Nordstrom, Nordstrom seems to uh, buck the trend when it comes to starting the Christmas season earlier and earlier. Um, leading up to Thanksgiving, at many Nordstroms locations, uh, apparently you could read the following notice posted in the window. It said, "At Nordstrom, we won't be decking our halls until Friday, November 23rd. Why? Well, we just like the idea of celebrating one holiday at a time. From our family to yours, Happy Thanksgiving." Like I said, it seems like every year retailers want to kick off the Christmas season and, more importantly, the Christmas shopping season uh, earlier and earlier. But when I bring up this fact in conversation, and sometimes maybe I might sound like I'm complaining a little bit, I'm surprised to find out how many people are really actually on board with starting the Christmas season earlier. People seem to gear up for shopping even before Thanksgiving. You know, we're already preparing for the Christmas shopping before Thanksgiving, right? We're checking out all the sales, we get the newspapers, um, we see the the ads on TV and online, and so we're already kind of planning out what we're going to get and where we're going to go and what we need to do. And Christmas shopping itself has become so important and so prevalent in our society that we're kind of almost we're developing our own Christmas shopping language, aren't we? We have Black Friday. We have stocking stuffers. And the more recent one, doorbusters, Which that took me a little while to figure out what they meant by that. But we have all these things leading up to Christmas. Now, also on the Thanksgiving weekend, many people put up their Christmas decorations, don't they? How many, how many of us put up our Christmas decorations around Thanksgiving? A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Apparently, a lot of people don't. <laughs> but people are planning, right? They're planning their uh, Christmas decorations. Um, some people have invested a lot of time and money into their Christmas decorations, right? You've seen some houses that, you know, boast 50,000 lights, 100,000 lights. Uh, I saw saw one um, TV show where they were interviewing a a couple. One, One collected nutcrackers and the other collected little snowmen figurines, and they each had about 500 of those strewn about the house. And their kids were saying that it was driving them crazy. But people invest a lot of time and money into putting up those lights. They take weeks and weeks sometimes. And and some people have so many lights that they need their own power grid, pretty much. We begin to hear familiar Christmas tunes, right, in stores and on the radio long before December 25th. I'm one that likes to save the Christmas tunes until a little bit closer to Christmas because when I hear them over and over again, they kind of lose their significance, they, I get worn out on them. But you hear that in the stores, you start hearing it uh, a little bit uh, interspersed with regular songs on the radio, and then all of a sudden we go full-blown Christmas, and it's 24-7. Okay, so I do have a confession to make, though. There is one thing that I don't really object to people starting early for Christmas, and that is Christmas baking. <laughs> That's my one-week spot. I'll I'll take Christmas cookies and cakes and pies any day of the year. I don't care about that. But some people, even with the Christmas baking, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. People decide what kind of cookies, how many of each they're making, and they make all sorts of variety of cookies. And so a lot of preparation goes into that. Even in the church, even in the church, right, we are gearing up for Christmas. We're discussing uh, the meaning and the significance of Christmas long before Christmas arrives, right? Sometimes we have a five-week sermon series featuring a Christmas video by Pastor Mitch, a.k.a. Bing Luke. And then, of course, we also have the children's Christmas program. Another personal favorite of mine. I love the Children's Christmas program. And to all those parents who helped, and all the parents who faithfully brought their children and practiced their lines, thank you for that, because it's a treat, Uh, but a lot of planning goes into that, right? A lot of practicing, a lot of rehearsing of lines, getting costumes together, coordinating all these different things, and so we're preparing, we're gearing up, we're spending all this time and all this energy preparing for Christmas, During the Christmas season and leading up to Christmas, there is kind of a unique, special feeling in the air, right? Uh, Different than any other time of year. I think that there is a feeling of anticipation, a feeling of excitement. We're excited for what's upcoming. And for this brief period of time, our society, the people in our society kind of, Are a little bit transformed. People have an increased desire to share their happiness, share their joy. They have an increased desire to give to others. They have an increased desire to live in peace with one another, right? And to love one another. Just for this time of year, for some reason, we have these heightened desires. Then what happens? In the blink of an eye, it's all over, right? All that preparation, all that leading up, all that excitement, all that anticipation, and then it's here, and then it's gone. And what happens after that? We begin to settle back into our normal routines, don't we? It's, it's business as usual. It's as if we flip the switch on for a couple of months, and then we flip that switch right back off. The mailman stops bringing Christmas cards and starts bringing credit card bills. The kids' toys are already lost or broken, and they're asking for new stuff for their birthdays already, right? Now, many of us may push off taking down the Christmas decorations until New Year's in in a small effort to kind of hang on to that Christmas feeling for just a little while longer. But let me ask you this, what about that Christmas spirit? Should it be packed up and put away for another year as well? As we begin to wind down from the Christmas season and prepare to return to life as we know it, I think the Apostle Paul has some good advice for us. The scripture we're going to be taking a look at today is 2 Timothy um three fourteen. This scripture comes from obviously Paul's second letter to Timothy. Um, this particular letter he wrote to Timothy from prison in Rome not too long before his death. So he's anticipating his death and he's giving Timothy, his his kind of protege, this last bit of advice and encouragement. And one of the main ideas Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy in this letter is to hold fast to what he's been taught. And so, Second Timothy three fourteen says, "You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them." Pretty simple. Pretty simple statement. Pretty simple piece of advice. Paul simply admonished Timothy to remain steadfast in following the teaching he had received. In the verses leading up to this command, Paul had been describing a time when people would increasingly pursue desires of the flesh, be convinced of various teachings, and, and all the while trying to project this image of godliness. He was kind of describing the end times. And where the world was going. And the spiritual atmosphere that, that Timothy would find himself in the midst of. But it sounds a lot like today's world too, doesn't it? We're kind of in the same situation. And in the midst of this, Paul urges Timothy to continue. Continue. Now, the word continue, as it's being used here, really means to remain or abide. It describes a person who remains where he or she is. In the English, we, we have this word continue, and we think of progression or moving forward or forward motion. But here, in, in the Greek, it really means to, to stay put, to stay where you're at, not to move. Donald Guthrie um, a biblical, he's kind of a scholar. He has a colorful analogy for what Paul is saying here. He describes it as a rock resisting the increasing fury of the waves. A rock resisting the increasing fury of the waves. And so where is Paul saying Timothy should remain or abide or stay put? It's in the things he had learned and become convinced of. He needs to stay put in the things that he had learned and become convinced of. Paul reminds Timothy that not only has he learned the content of the gospel, but he has become confident in its reliability. He has become convinced of it. Now, a contributing factor to this confidence in the reliability of these things is, Uh, according to Paul, is knowing from whom you have learned them. That's what he says. Knowing from whom you have learned them. And so what Paul is saying here is, hey, not only do you know these things, not only have you learned these things, but you're convinced of their reliability because you know the people who taught you these things. Paul taught him but also his mother and his grandmother also taught him. Now, earlier on in this letter, in 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. So Timothy should be convinced of the reliability because of its content, because it's biblical, and because there were some faithful people that shared these things with him. So that's why Timothy can be sure of what Paul's talking about. Now, in the last four weeks, we all have been taught some solid biblical concepts that would help us have a right Christmas, haven't we? And I love the fact that we're already hearing testimonies about how these things actually did help people get through the holidays. These teachings actually did help people. Which often the Bible does. The first week was about keeping Jesus at the center of our Christmas season, right? Uh, it, It challenged us to remember who the Bible says Jesus is. Who the Bible says Jesus is, not the world. And not only that, but to study the Bible, study what it says, who it says Jesus is, and to share that with our families. The second week was about having right relationships with family, right? It's a time, Christmas is a time to have grace on one another and not to bring up family issues. Not a time to deal with that kind of stuff. Week three was about giving meaningful gifts, right? We need to give thoughtfully. We need to give generously and not sparingly. And last week was about being engaged in the moment, being engaged in relationships. Remember, to be engaged in the moment and not distracted or disinterested because you miss out on so much. So I hope when you heard these messages, two things happened. I hope that, number one, that you learned the principles that were taught. These principles were taught for our benefit, right? If it was your desire to have a right Christmas this year, then you needed to pay attention. Especially if you're one of those people who does not have many good Christmas memories, Maybe you need to explore what you can do to improve your Christmas experience. And we offered uh, a lot of advice, a lot of biblical advice to that point. And also, as Christians, we affirm that the Bible teaches us how to follow Christ in our everyday lives, right? It's our instruction manual. It's our final rule for faith and practice. That's the Bible for us. And I've yet to find an area of life that the Bible does not speak to. And that includes Christmas. So I hope that, number one, that you learned the principles that were taught. But number two, I hope that you are convinced of the reliability of what was taught. If we feel like the, the Bible is a reliable document, which I, I hope that we all do here, then what we were taught out of the Bible is reliable as well, because everything that was taught used the Bible as its foundation. It wasn't just a bunch of men up here talking, sharing their their own opinions. This was the Word of God that was shared. But not only that, but we can also attest to the character of the men who taught us, right? Right? I know that Pastor Mark, Pastor Mitch, Pastor Paul are all godly men, anointed men. We know that. We don't have to be told that because we can see it, right? So I hope that you are convinced of the reliability of what was taught because of its source, what it was based on, which is the Bible, and because it came from godly, anointed men. So, we learned... We were convinced. But are these principles, let me ask you this, are these principles only useful during the Christmas season? Is the Christmas spirit extinguished along with all of our Christmas lights? Or does the Christmas spirit really represent the heart of Christ? And if so, Don't we really need to live the Christmas spirit 365 days a year? Don't we? What we think of as the Christmas spirit should really be an ongoing lifestyle. When the Christmas season comes to an end and we switch everything off and when we pack everything up and when we put everything away and when we've eaten all that's meant to be eaten and we've visited all that we care to visit, we've unwrapped every present, we've cleaned up every bow and thrown it away. When the excitement subsides, the anticipation goes away. We need to continue on having Christmas 365 days a year. Not the external things, but in here, in our hearts. It's an ongoing lifestyle that we need to have. Paul told Timothy, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And we've learned that this means that we should not move from where we are now. And that doesn't mean physically. That doesn't mean um, positionally as far as where we are at in our Christmas celebration. But it means in here, in what we have been taught. We have to have the heart of Christ 365 days a year. And Pastor Mark and Pastor Mitch and Pastor Paul have shared with us how we can do that. So that's our challenge for today, really, isn't it? When we call it quits with all the festivities, we carry that Christmas spirit with us in an ongoing lifestyle throughout the year. I believe that it's God's desire for us not to depart from these lessons, but to remain where we are, just living them out day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. And I even think that come next year, we shouldn't have to revisit these lessons because we've already been living them the other 10 months that are not included in the Christmas season. Right? An ongoing lifestyle. The lights, the presents, and the parties associated with the Christmas season... Really are just outward signs, outward expressions, right? They're really just outward things representing some of the things that we most hope to experience during the Christmas season, right? I mean, really, what, deep down, what are the things that we really hope to experience during the Christmas season? Intangible things, right? Like joy. Don't we all want to have joy during the Christmas season? I think that one of the things that leads to the excitement of Christmas is that, you know, the rest of the year is a struggle, is a battle, right? And sometimes we can go through a year and not have anything to look forward to. Sometimes things are just going exceptionally wrong. We're 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 struggling, we're battling. We don't receive any good news. And then here comes the Christmas season. Oh, the one time of year that transcends all the mundane, mundaneness or the madness of our everyday lives. I'm going to really enjoy Christmas. I can't wait for Christmas. It's going to be a relief. I'm going to have joy this Christmas. Right? And the awesome thing is, is not only do we want to have joy, but we want everybody else to have joy too we want to share that joy there's other things that we really really I think desire in the christmas season i believe that we as a church really desire to love god and love each other and i think for the rest of the world they at least desire to love each other and some somewhere deep down inside there is that little part of them that really wants to love god too And again, throughout the rest of the year, sometimes our love can grow cold a little bit. Can it? Everyday struggles, everyday trials, stress plays an important factor in in this. We get caught up in different things. We get into fights. We have disagreements. We have arguments. Sometimes just life itself causes people to grow apart, right? Separation, circumstances... But it also is the same with God, right? Throughout the year, it is a challenge to maintain that love, that loving relationship with God. It doesn't just come easy. That's why we, God created the church, this support system, this place where we can come and be recharged and be encouraged and be helped in that. God knew it. And so during the year, uh, our love for one another, our love for God can grow cold, and so here comes the Christmas season. You know, and, and we get excited again because we want to feel that love. And we don't know how we lost it. And we don't know how it grew cold. We didn't even realize that it did. But all of a sudden, this little spark, I, I, I can't help but compare it to like the Grinch. You, do you ever see the original Grinch? You know where his heart was, Was it, ten t- sizes too small? And then all of a sudden, the Christmas spirit comes upon the Grinch and all of a sudden it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Something within him triggered that. Or Ebenezer Scrooge, the same illustration. His heart had just grown cold and clammed up. And it took something, it took the Christmas season and what it really meant to open his heart back up to other people again. Something about the Christmas season, we want to love. We want to love God. We want to love each other. The other thing about the Christmas season, we want to be at peace in our relationships with God and one another, right? We want to have a moment of peace. We talked about family drama, right? We brought up family drama. Boy, sometimes family drama can really take its toll. You know, and sometimes it just keeps going on and on and on and on. And we just want it to stop, right? I just need a break. We want to be at peace in our relationships with one another. Coworkers, neighbors. There's so many opportunities for us to, to get into disagreements with one another. And let's face it, we're all still sinners saved by grace, So that comes with the territory that we have stressed out, stressful relationships with one another. And also with God, right? Again, going back to the fact that we're still sinners, that sometimes causes strain in our relationship with God as well. Doesn't it? And so again, something about the Christmas season brings us back around, brings our focus back around and we want to feel peace in our hearts. We want to let the stress go. We want to have peaceful relationships with our, our spouses, our kids, our extended family members, our, our friends, our neighbors, and with God. That's the Christmas spirit, but I believe that's really the heart of Christ. And I believe that those things Christ desires for us all year round. I believe that Christ wants us to live that as an ongoing lifestyle, not just as a holiday that comes once a year. But here's the danger. The danger of the Christmas season is, is that we get all revved up and, and ready to go in anticipation and we're, we're wanting all these things to happen and sometimes we actually do experience those things and sometimes we don't. But at the end of it all, when we're looking to get back to our normal lives, when we're looking to get back to business as usual, a lot of times we have a tendency to leave all these other ideas behind as well. What about the peace that we tried to establish in our relationships? What about reconnecting to God in a loving way? What about having joy on a daily basis? Are we really meant to only have that two months out of the year? Not according to the Bible. It's an ongoing lifestyle. An ongoing lifestyle that I believe God wants us to live out throughout the entire year. So living out a right Christmas is really about living as Christ calls us to live as Christians. Think about it. Is there ever a time when we should not have Christ at the center of our lives? Is there ever a time where we should get bored or tired and quit reading the Bible? quit trying to find out who Jesus is? I don't think so. Is there ever a time when we're excused from having grace on family members and friends? Is there ever a time when we're excused from trying to be peacemakers within those relationships? I don't think so. Are we only required to give generously during the Christmas season? It's sad but true. But uh, you know, sometimes speaking with people from like the rescue mission in Milwaukee and, and places like that, their biggest day of the year is is either Christmas or Thanksgiving, and then the other three hundred and sixty-three days, they get next to nobody to help out. But during the Christmas season, they're packed with people who want to help others that speaks a lot doesn't it we're not excused from that the other 363 days does god care if we're distracted from our relationships with him or our relationships with others we've got too much too much going on that we're we're going to neglect those relationships that we're not going to pay attention to people, that we're not going to connect with one another. When we come into church on Sunday, we're meant to connect with one another, to be engaged with one another. That's what God calls us to be as as the body of Christ. We speak of being family, but we need to be family 365 days a year. We're not excused from those things. And so, as I pose those questions, I think those answers are pretty obvious, right? I would hope that those answers are pretty obvious, that that God, of course, expects us to maintain all those principles in our lives throughout the whole entire year. So why do we forget? Why do we leave them behind? There's a story um, that I've read and I've heard several versions of it, but it, it comes from World War One. And during World War One, in the year of 1914, um, there was a truce on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And I just want to read you a little bit of this story uh, written by Kennedy Hickman. It says, Occurring on December 24th through 25th, 1914, Christmas Eve and Day, the Christmas truce saw a temporary halt to the fighting on parts of the Western Front. In some areas, the truce lasted until New Year's Day. The 1914 Christmas truce began on Christmas Eve along, with the, British, along the British and German lines in Belgium. The initial force behind the Christmas truce came from the Germans. In most cases, this began with the singing of carols and the appearing of Christmas trees along the trenches. Curious, the Allied troops, who had been inundated with propaganda depicting the Germans as barbarians, began to join the singing, which led to both sides reaching out to communicate. Can you imagine this is in the middle of World War I? Okay? From these first, hesitant contacts informal ceasefires were arranged between units. For the most part, both sides returned to their trenches later on Christmas Eve. The following morning, Christmas was celebrated in full with men visiting across lines and gifts of food and tobacco being exchanged. In several places, games of soccer were organized, though these tended to be just mass pickup games more than anything. For the most part, he writes, the Christmas truce only lasted for Christmas Eve and day. Though in some areas it was extended through Boxing Day and New Year's. As it ended, both sides decided on signals for the recommencement of hostilities. Reluctantly returning to war, the bonds forged at Christmas slowly eroded as units rotated out and in and the fighting became more ferocious. It's an incredible story, isn't it? But it illustrates the point. When I initially heard that story, I was amazed at how these soldiers could celebrate Christmas to come together and share that joy, that peace, that love in such an intimate day on one day. And then on the very next day, return to trying to kill each other. But isn't that really how our Christmas season goes? Every year we spend months preparing for Christmas, and then it's gone before we know it. And after we quickly settle back into our normal routine, but what we have learned about having a right Christmas should not end with the last Christmas cookie. We need to make it an ongoing lifestyle. Amen? So I'd like to just take a moment, and I just want to pray that God would give us the strength and the focus to maintain this as an ongoing lifestyle throughout the upcoming year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I just I just want to thank you, first of all, um, for the meaning of Christmas, for the Christmas event and what it means to us as believers, what it means to us in our world, in our society, O oh Lord God. I thank you for the gift of your Son. I thank you for the additional gifts of joy and love and peace. Lord, you give, just give so abundantly. And I thank you for that so much, O oh God. And now, God, we've heard several principles about living a right Christmas that came from your word, and I believe from your heart, inspired by your Holy Spirit through our pastors, through godly men. And we learned these things, and we are convinced of their reliability, O oh Lord God. But we believe it's your heart that we live, live these principles out every day of our lives, that we have the Christmas spirit within us, that we have the heart of Christ and we live that out each and every day.